0: So good to see all of you here today. It's uh, especially good to see a lot of faces that haven't been here in a while because of COVID and concerns, and um uh, glad to have my mom back today. That's awesome. And I see the Parkers and the Barnes and E.T. and Ray. I think they've been here, but man, it's so good to see all of you. If I missed you, then maybe I just hadn't seen you yet, so make sure you talk to me before. But we've had a great day so far. We've had great worship and first service, Ellen Lanier was baptized into Christ. And uh, some of y'all might know Ellen from uh, years ago, but Ellen had shared with me that she was looking for something better in her life, that she had sort of slipped away. Uh, She still had faith, but she had quit going to church and you know, really felt like she needed to do something better, that God wanted something better for her life. And uh, so she decided she wanted to be baptized today. So uh, what a great joy that was. But it reminds me of a dilemma that we often have in life is that we're sometimes looking for something better. Have you you ever looked for something better in your life? Uh, Some people think, well, you know, you you shouldn't be looking for something better all the time when God has blessed you so much already. I read one quote that said, don't mess up something by looking for something better. You you know, and there's some wisdom in that. You know, some people, you know, they might have been married for several years and they look, see somebody else. Maybe they're not getting treated the way they want to get treated. And they think, well, the grass is greener on the other side. I'm going to look for something better. And it doesn't always prove to be better. Uh, In part, because you're still there, (laughs) if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, But it it often doesn't work that way. Uh, But on the other hand, we would also say that we always want to improve our lives. We want to be better. If you had an opportunity to have a better job, would you take it? Now, some of you are very happy with your jobs, but some of you would say, And if if something better came along with better wages, better benefits, better working environment, I mean, would you take a new job if it seemed better for you and your family? Absolutely you would. I, I read a story from my friend Bob Russell who shared when my son Rusty was five, he wanted a ball glove. So I took him and we went to three or four stores to get a glove to fit a tiny hand. No store had such a glove. Well, Russie was getting a little impatient, and we walked into a drugstore, and he saw one mangy looking glove on the shelf of $4.95. Rusty said, there's one, Dad. Get that one. I said, no, Russ. I want to get one that'll last. He said, no, we've looked, and we can't find one. Get that one. And he started to cry. <laughs> Not a temper tantrum, but one of those pitiful little weepy cries that little kids get. And people were coming by, and Bob said he knew that they were wondering what kind of dad would refuse to buy his son a glove. And he was in tears as I dragged him out of the store. Bob wrote, "We found uh, a sporting goods store a little while later, and uh, they had a ball glove. I bought it for ten ninety-five. He was elated, and the glove lasted for several years. But he concluded with this thought: Sometimes God lets us go through some hurting experiences." in life, because He has something better in mind for us. And I think that is certainly the case with the Old and the New Covenant. Now, God created both of these covenants. He created the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant wasn't bad, but God used it to point to something better. God used the Old Covenant to prepare His people for the new covenant. The old covenant was good, but something better was coming. God wanted every person in the entire world to know Him personally. God would forgive our sins and give access to Him uh, at every moment of every day. Now that is very different from the old covenant, and it offers the world a better hope. Because God isn't just the God of one tribe. He's the God of all the people. And friends, here's the point. You have a better hope with Jesus. And today, I hope that you walk out of here. You already know that. But I just want to really encourage you to be reinforced with that knowledge. Now, God revealed His plan to offer a better hope to a prophet named Jeremiah. Mark Moore, in our lesson, Core 52, this week, pointed out that Jeremiah is often called the weeping prophet because of his many struggles and disappointments. Now, he had to speak out against a culture that was increasingly turning away from God. That sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? People don't like to be told that they are sinners. And Jeremiah was speaking out against a culture that was disobeying God. Uh, People don't like to be told that they're wrong, and Jeremiah's country was no different. He was cursed. He was vilified. He was threatened. He was beaten. He was arrested. He was thrown down into an empty cistern and left for dead. Much of what Jeremiah wrote reflected the pain that he felt for himself and his people. I mean, he knew something bad was coming. God had revealed to him that suffering was coming for his people because of their disobedience. Much of his prophetic messages dealt with the harsh times that lay ahead. And that's why he's called the weeping prophet because he wept for his people and for what was coming. But in the passage that we read today, the message was a message of hope. And as you read it, you have to understand that Jesus is the hidden hope behind the words of the prophet. Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 33, this is the covenant I will make For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now, we know that Jeremiah lived under the old covenant. But he clearly saw a better day coming. Now, here is what I think we can learn from Jeremiah and his understanding. The old covenant offered some hope. I want to be very clear. The old covenant is not a bad thing. It was good that God gave the covenant to the people. But as they would learn, the problem was not with God's law, but with their ability to obey that law. The old covenant, which many times we would call the Mosaic law, you might think of the Ten Commandments, they were part of that old covenant that provided several areas of hope. First of all, I think for them to receive this law from God, told them that God loved them and cared for them. God had brought them out of bondage, out of Egypt. God had loved them and God had blessed them. The law gave them hope for law and order within their culture. You see, the regulations of the Old Testament dealt with many areas of life, but especially how to deal with other people. You know, you think about living in a culture where there's anarchy and no law. This would be crazy. So anybody that's calling for the the defunding or the abolishment of police are insane. They don't even know what they're asking for because they're asking for anarchy, and then it's just all holds barred. So the law for the Jewish people was so important because it taught them how to interact with each other. Our relationships with God were covered under the law. The first Uh, Four of the Ten Commandments dealt with our relationship with God. Uh, Have no other gods before you. Do not make any graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All of these had to do with the people's relationship with God. But then the other six commandments dealt with their relationship with each other. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet your neighbor's possessions. These six commands deal more with how to relate to other people, how we should treat each other. Now, the rest of the 613 commands within the Mosaic law revealed the penalty for breaking the laws but also the kinds of regulations about food that you could and could not eat, sacrifices that needed to be made, special days to recognize what would happen should someone break the laws. The most important aspect of the Old Covenant was the idea of blood sacrifices made for the atonement of sin. Now, you may remember last week we talked about atonement and Today, uh, we, we are sort of seeing how that played out in the old law and in the new covenant. In Exodus 24, 8, we read, Moses, speaking to the people, then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Now, just a few moments ago, Cruz shared the words of Jesus, having to do with the blood of the covenant. And that his blood ushered in a new covenant. But this is where we read Moses' words about the blood of the covenant. According to the law, the high priest was the only one who could go into the holy of holies and offer the sacrifice of atonement with the blood of animals, cattle, lambs, doves. Now what we understand is that the old covenant had its limitations. These sacrifices had to be offered year after year after year. There was no end to them. And and they did nothing to alleviate the guilt or the shame a person would have because of their sin. They just, in essence, pushed the sin back. The blood sacrifices were a type of atonement, but they didn't do a good enough job. God was preparing His people for a better sacrifice, a better atonement. The sins of the people committed before Jesus were just sort of held over in a sense. The Hebrews writer explained the limitations of the Old Covenant this way in Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 4. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sin. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Paul explained to the Romans what the real purpose of that old covenant was. In Romans 7, beginning in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was, if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive, apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me by no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin... It used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. So the purpose of the old covenant was to make us aware that we could not earn our relationship with God, that we could not overcome sin because of laws made. These are limitations within the old covenant. And with these limitations, the Jewish people still ended up feeling less hopeful. They still had shame and guilt over their sin. Mark Moore pointed out in the lesson that while the sacrifices multiplied, the moral failures surpassed them. By the time Jesus came along, the Jewish people would have recognized those limitations and they would have been ready for a better hope which is exactly what God offered. You see, the new covenant offers a better hope. When you think about the new covenant in Christ, you can see clearly how it offers better hope. The hope of the new covenant is better. Think about some of these reasons. Number one, as a man, I'll say, no more circumcision laws, right? No more circumcision. Even the uncircumcised people could have a relationship with God. We saw Paul fighting that fight in the, you know, uh, throughout the book of Acts and throughout his letters as there were some Jewish people who were trying to force Gentiles to be circumcised. Paul said, "No, no, no. Circumcision has nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus." We're thankful for that. You don't have to be Jewish anymore. You can come from any part of the world, any race, any gender, any nationality. There are no more dietary regulations. Praise God and amen for that, right? How many of y'all plan to eat shrimp and pork after we leave here today? If you are, praise God, amen for that, right? No more dietary regulations. No more hygiene rules about being clean or unclean. How many hunters we got in here? Anybody go hunting? Yeah, I know we got one at least. So... Next time you go hunting and you kill a deer and you touch the body, you can still come to church right after that, right? You're not unclean. In the old covenant, you would have been unclean and you would have had to go through a cleansing process to be able to worship with your family again. In fact, you don't have to keep up with 613 laws and fear that you are breaking any of them and you're going to be punished for all that. Now we understand sin but we also understand grace and mercy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that this gives us the freedom just to go out and sin all we want to. That's not the point. But the point is that we no longer have to live under the, the weight and the burden of trying to be perfect because we can't be. And the truth is that everyone can have a personal relationship with God. We don't need to have a priestly mediator between us and God. You don't have to come to me to pray to God on your behalf. You can go directly to God. Jesus is a new high priest, and the Spirit who lives in us speaks directly to God for us. Isn't that amazing? That makes this covenant better. There's no more need for the sacrifice of innocent animals. All of our animal lovers will love that fact, right? Jesus is all the sacrifice that is needed. Now we can worship God anywhere we may be. Now I'll tell you this you already know this, but you you didn't have to come here to worship God today. You could be outside, but you know the Bible does say we should come together and worship. I'm not trying to send you away, but here's the deal. You are the temple of God. We don't have to go to some temple made by human hands. We don't have to go to some building made of brick and mortar because the Spirit of God dwells in us. We are the temple of God. Wherever we are, we can worship Him. Now, when we come to Christ and accept Him as Savior, our sins are washed away as far as the east is to the west. And when we sin after that, and and we will, we're not going to become perfect But if we, and when we do sin, if we will repent and ask for forgiveness, those sins will be forgiven. Now, God is our God, and we are His people, just as Jeremiah predicted. He lives with us because His Spirit dwells in us. And that may be the best part of all of this. In John 14, we read, beginning in verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, this is amazing. Jesus is offering a peace that the Jewish people had never really experienced before. He was offering His peace, a peace that could push away our troubles and our fears. He would also give more detail about the Spirit who was coming. In John 16, beginning in verse 7, we read, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of the world now stands condemned. And in verse 13, when, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. So, friends, part of the better covenant and the better promises in that covenant have to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, of our wrongdoing, of our disobedience. The Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness, shows us how to be righteous and live a righteous life. The Holy Spirit judges us. You know, we we feel the conviction of that Spirit in our life. He guides us into truth and leads us in our lives. The Old Covenant did not have that hope in it, but the hope of the New Covenant is far beyond, far better than the Old Covenant. God is with us, and He is in us. His Spirit is guiding us every day and helping us to have love and joy peace and patience, kindness and goodness, gentleness and faithfulness, and self-control, all the things that we would think of in a righteous life. Friends, these are things that laws can't do. A law cannot change a heart. Now, I might not break the law because I'm afraid I would be punished if I do. So that's why the law is there. But the law can't change my heart. If there's a law about discrimination or about prejudice, that law is not going to change the heart of a person who is prejudiced. They might not break the law because they don't want to get caught, but it's not going to change their heart. Only the Spirit of God can change a person's heart to love all people regardless of race, skin color, nationality. That's the only way it can happen. Laws can't do it but the Spirit can. And so the covenant, the new covenant, through Jesus Christ and His Spirit is far better than the old covenant. The new covenant has no limitations. In the Old Testament, when God says He forgave sin like when He forgave David, God knew Jesus was coming, and that Jesus would succeed on the cross to take all sin upon Himself. Jesus died on the cross not just for His sins, but for the sins of all the world, ever committed beforehand and ever committed afterwards. In 1 John 2, 2, we read, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In Acts 13, 37, we read, But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Friends, there's no sin which the blood of Jesus can't cover. His blood has no limitation. It is more powerful than our sin. We're no longer limited to where we worship. As I said before, all people from all nations, from all walks of life, can join in this new covenant. John, in fact, would describe heaven in this ray in Revelation 7, verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. This was God's plan all along, that people all over the world, because God so loved the world, that is, all of humanity, Uh, not just a part of it, not just the Jewish tribe, but all tribes of people. His desire is that everyone would have relationship with him. That gives even more people hope than the old covenant offered. God's love is not limited in the new covenant to one group of people, but for everyone. And the reason why is very obvious. Jesus is the reason for the better hope that we have. Just think about it. Jesus is the one that the old covenant was pointing to. The messianic prophecies telling that one was coming who would bring about all these new things. Jesus is the one. For one thing, Jesus is a better sacrifice. He doesn't have to die a billion deaths in order to cover our sins. In Romans 6.10, we read the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. That makes his sacrifice better than all of those old old covenant sacrifices put together. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is fully God, and he is also fully man. He lived a perfect life without sin. He followed the Old Testament law to the T. He did not die for his own sins, but he died for our sins. God gave his one and only son to die for us, the ones who are guilty. And that is what makes his sacrifice the best sacrifice of all. Not only that, but Jesus is also a better high priest. The old covenant had a requirement for a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies and make those sacrifices. They had to do this on a continual basis for themselves and also for the people. But we learn in Hebrews 7, 27, that unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. When the high priest would enter that holy of holies, he would carry the blood of animals with him. But in Hebrews 9, 12, we read that he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Jesus is a better high priest than all of the high priests in the old covenant. Altogether, these things tell us that Jesus is the better hope. He has made us holy through His sacrifice. You know, the old covenant priests did not make people holy. But Jesus does by His presence in us and His Spirit dwelling in us. In Hebrews 10.10 we read, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Yes, you are holy because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Because of Jesus's love and sacrifice, he also gives us the hope and the promise of our own resurrection because he was resurrected. And we live a life with hope because of that. We believe we will be raised to life just as he was in every way. The new covenant is better than the old because of Jesus. And friend, I hope that you will put your hope and trust in Jesus and that new covenant. I want to conclude by illustrating the difference here. You know, it's an interesting illustration. We were married to Mr. Law. He was a good man in his way, but he did not understand our weaknesses He came home every evening and asked, so how was your day? Did you do what I told you to do? Did you make the kids behave? Did you clean up like you were supposed to? Did you waste any time? Did you complete everything I put on your to-do list? So many demands and expectations. And hard as we tried, we couldn't be perfect. We could never satisfy him. We forgot things that were important to him. We let the children misbehave at times. There were times we failed in other ways. It was a miserable marriage because Mr. Law always pointed out our failings. And the worst of it was he was always right. (laughs) But his remedy was always the same. Do better tomorrow. And we didn't because we couldn't. And then Mr. Law died and we remarried this time to Mr. Grace. Our new husband, Jesus, comes home every evening and the house is a mess. Sometimes the children are being naughty. Sometimes the dinner is burned on the stove. And sometimes we struggle to be faithful to him. And still he sweeps us into his arms and he says, I love you. I chose you. I died for you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And our hearts melt. We don't understand such love. We expect Him to despise us and reject us and humiliate us. But He pours out grace on us. We're so glad to belong to Him now and forever. And we long to be fully pleasing to Him. Friends, all of these promises are there for you. No matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, No matter what you have or what you don't have. No matter what your education level is. No matter how much money you have or don't have. No matter what color skin you have. What language you speak. That sacrifice, that new covenant is there for you. Jesus is better. He's better than anything the old covenant offers. And he's better than anything the world may offer you. Don't be ashamed of your faith. Don't hide your faith. It's Jesus you're hiding when you do that, not yourself. I think we should be proud of the one who has loved us the way Jesus has loved us. And hold on to that hope and that promise Jesus offers. Friend, if you have slipped away or fallen away, I want to encourage you to repent and come back to him. And the thing about Jesus is that He is still standing there waiting with open arms. He hasn't stopped loving you. Just like uh, if you have a child that hasn't been so obedient all the time, and maybe that child has sort of slipped away, you don't stop loving that child. In fact, sometimes you almost feel like you love that child more because you're praying more for them and you're seeking them out. And that's how God is with us, even when we slip away. Like the song says, he would leave the 99, which to many people would be like ridiculous, crazy, radical, insane. But he would leave the 99 to go for the one. And that's what he'll do for you. So come back to him, because Jesus offers a better hope. Father, we come to you today, and we are so amazed at this new covenant that you have made with us and for us. I mean, the old covenant was good, and it had its promises, but it just doesn't compare to what you have done for us. I mean, Jesus has changed everything for us. He has offered us such a better hope because he was a perfect sacrifice, because he is a perfect high priest, because he is a perfect Savior. And so, Father, we humbly come before You with such gratitude in our hearts for Jesus. But also we thank You for the Holy Spirit who helps to change us and mold us. He comforts us and guides us. Father, He he is the one that helps to convict us of our sin and move us towards righteousness. And as we think about all these things... Your wisdom is revealed to us. And so, Father, we give you praise. May we hold on to the promises of this new covenant you have offered through Christ. And may we all understand the better hope we have in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So do you want a better life? Some of you say, yeah, immediately, I want a better life. But really, do you want a better life? It has to do with your choices, doesn't it? Your better life is going to be determined by your choices. And I want to tell you the greatest choice you can have to choose a better life is to choose Jesus. The better covenant, the better hope. So today as we stand and sing, I'm going to invite you to come. If you've never come into relationship with Christ, I want to invite you to come and talk to me. I'll be down here. Uh, somebody left this morning and they said, you know, I don't, didn't feel comfortable coming, but can I email you? Can I text you? I said, sure. Get up with me this week. But listen, friend, Jesus offers you a better life. So I want you to accept that. And if you've slipped away from it a little bit, he is waiting with open arms. So why don't we stand and let's sing this song. And if you need to talk to somebody, why don't you come on and talk to them?